Hey guys, I'm here today with a very special guest. I found her on TikTok, <laughs> who's posting educational content on psilocybin and magic mushrooms. Um, <laughs> honestly, after finding her on TikTok, I was very motivated myself to also post content. And that literally two days after that, um, a post of mine went pretty viral, which was awesome. And I found my community and I was like, wow, there's a lot of us out there. <laughs> so please introduce yourself. Thank you, Leah. Um, I'm Jess. I'm known by the handle on TikTok as Fungi Fun Guy. 420. I had to add an extra zero because community guidelines, but that is me. Um, I am a harm reductionist, uh, mycologist, and mushroom enthusiast, um, and I just try to make educational content on how to safely use drugs. So that's me. Okay. That's what I'm about. <laughs> yes. Love it. So Thank what you. led you to first try mushrooms? So I had always been interested in psychedelics because I, when they say weed is a gateway drug, okay, they don't, it's not actually a gateway to what they want you to think it is, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a gateway to the more funky things, psychedelics, yeah. definitely. So I started smoking weed when I was like 14. So even just seeing, you know, the things that my friends and I would watch on TV, there were always subliminals of psychedelics and stuff. So it always had sparked my interest. And I read a book about mushrooms when I was maybe a sophomore in high school. Uh, not specifically the magic ones, just mushrooms in general and all of the potentials that they have for us. So that really just sparked my interest in mycology itself. Um, but then Hamilton Morris uh, came out with Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, which is, uh, if you're familiar, the vice no, show where you would absolutely love it. You you would absolutely love it. But he basically tries every hallucinogenic drug that you can think of and explains the chemical breakdowns of them. It was uh, on Vice for a little while. Now it's on Amazon. But oh, nice. he, he basically, same. I used to want to work for them, but now I kind of have some qualms with them. But that's another, that's another story. Um, but he was kind of like a teacher for me ab about all drugs, but psychedelics specifically. And so having that outlet um, of education that showed me one, like proper use and two, how this would interact with my brain just made me so interested, but also made me aware of when I would actually be ready to try these things. So I was very lucky to stumble upon the right things at the right time in my life. Awesome. Yeah. So like, have you always had good trips or have you also had bad ones? I, I do love that question um, <laughs> because yes and no, because I, I do know. And in my personal experience, research and talking with other people, nine out of 10 times a bad trip is your own fault. Like you either one overdosed, which like people think that there's no, there's no lethal dose of mushrooms, but you can take too much for the experience you're looking for, or just the strain that you have. Um, and my first time ever, I took an eighth because back in, back in the day, I say, well, this was just a couple years ago, but in the early days of Reddit and things like that, people thought that that was the appropriate dose for your first time. It's not, that's a bit much. <laughs> so 
I, I didn't necessarily view it as a bad trip so much as me um, hesitating to submit to the experience. Uh, but towards the end of it, it ended up being an amazing time. That would have been the only real bad trip that I've had. The only other time I would say I've had a not so great trip was when my friends and I decided to take mushrooms and go to a fair and I was wearing white pants and I got my period in the middle of it. No. <laughs> that is such a bad combo right there right and we still made the most of it you know like I didn't even have a bad time this was just not the most enjoyable experience but really truly that is like terrifying exactly no exactly (laughs) but we just couldn't leave because we were on the mushrooms so it was just a little bit of a sitch but nobody could see it was fine it was great right so I was like this is fine um but really in my experience if you are properly educated and you're in the right mindset and setting you're guaranteed to have a good trip like almost every time but the mindset is so important because Mm -hmm. you can have a bad trip if you're in the wrong place in your head yes totally agree and so like what have your good trips taught you that I have like an actual self. I don't, I don't know like how to, <laughs> how to even make yes, sense of that, yes. but you, you know what I mean? Like it, it started, that was what made me start looking into microdosing because I waited until I was 19 to try mushrooms for the first time. Um, that was the first, well, technically salvia was the first psychedelic that I tried, but that was, that was an accident. That was just not, <laughs> it was, you have to talk about that right after you say we, we will, <laughs> we will. Um, but mushrooms are really the first psychedelic experience that um, I had. And so I knew that I wanted to be in the right place, the right mindset. So I waited until after my freshman year of college when I had already started that little self journey in with myself. Um, and that was when my spiritual journey, I would say, really began as well. And then I took the mushrooms and that just showed me that there was a whole nother world that I had been like, there was a cloud over everything for so long. And they just kind of cleared that for me and showed me all the other possibilities that that life has. Um, And that's what just kind of sparked me being like, Oh shit, like (laughs) this really works. And this could really work for a lot of other people. And I knew that there was a very low risk factor with all of it. So just going right in with treating myself was not something I hesitated with. Yeah, I heard mushrooms are like the safest drug you can take. There, there's no lethal dose. You would need no. to eat uh, 2,000 grams in order to die, and nobody is physically capable oh my God. of eating that, that many. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but for real, like, for me, they the mushrooms really helped me see how simple life is mm-hmm. and how we complicate everything in our head. <laughs> so much and I was like I wish everyone could see this but I feel like you have to be super self-aware to be able to think deeply like this for some people will take them and like just feel like elevated and that's it Mm -hmm. they won't actually discover all this about yourself so I feel like the best um result would be if you're already open and like exactly you you need to be open to learning more and it's the it's exactly what you were saying where people don't integrate what they experience into their life they're just like ah oh, i was tripping out that yeah. was cool not whoa i saw and felt and experienced all these things how can i integrate this into my day to day life 
And that's really what it's there for. It's a, it's a tool for that. And that self-awareness is so important because otherwise you don't really know what it is that you're working towards or the lessons that they're trying to teach you. Yes. And I always like, now I go into a session, I'm like, just show me what I need to see. Like, tell me what I need to know, you know, because I feel like it will do what it needs to do for you at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every single session will give you something if you go into it with the right intentions. But yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, please talk about your accidental. <laughs> so <laughs> I, like I said, I smoked weed throughout high school, but that was it. Like I drank alcohol, but no drugs at all, yeah. except for like Adderall for my ADHD, but no drugs, no mind altering things. And so when I got to college, I went to the University of Arizona, um, which huge party school. I didn't even know it was a party school until I was literally the night before I was leaving. So I was just really? very unprepared. Yeah, I was very unprepared for the lifestyle. Um, and a couple of my friends, Salvia is legal in pretty much like all Southern states, some even up here. And because it just kind of flies under the radar, people don't really, it. it's, the most similar to DMT without being a tryptamine. So it doesn't have the chemical compound to be labeled an illicit drug. So it just flies by, even though it brings people literally into the depths of hell. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) and you're there for like seven minutes that feel like seven years. And, you know, people see like the, like, almost the exact same thing when they smoke it it's it's a very there's some interesting lore to salvia and why the trips are the way they are but they sell it at smoke shops and so my friends were like hey like I've done this before you should just do it just try it and my best friend and I were like yeah fuck it why not we smoked a little bit and we were just like giggly it didn't really do much she packed me a full bowl I looked at it and I was in my head I was like as I was going to light it I was like this is definitely too much still just went, just went right in. And uh, yeah, the second you blow it out, you're just, your physical body is like still there confused as hell. My friend took a video of me just being like, what, what? Like almost knocking my bong over, getting off my bed. And in my brain, I am in like, my friend described it as something called gear world. Your body just feels like it's like a cog and like this machine that's like spread out and turning like a page other people who have done salvia, when I explain that, they're like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. But to anyone else, that sounds insane. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to try to understand that. Exactly. And so with that being my first, like, mind-altering experience, I was like, okay, I don't think think things can get much scarier from here. So mushrooms, and I still was a little bit hesitant with acid. I still am now. I don't know why, but it's cool. I like it. But yeah, Salvia was um, an interesting, interesting. time. Yeah. Wow. That I've, I know my friends have tried it and they, one time I was on FaceTime watching them like, and they were just like saying like, who's that? I was like, what do you mean? You see someone standing there. It's like the hat man that people see on Benadryl when they oh take too much God. Benadryl. That's just crazy. Like the fact that it only lasts seven minutes too. Like that, and that's like DMT. DMT is like three to seven minutes, but you feel like you're there forever. And that's oh. why, like, I'm I'm good on trying anything that is of any type of DMT until 
I say now 30, but definitely past 25, whenever my brain is fully developed, like yeah. I'm good with all the other ones until then. I don't, I don't need that right now. Uh, so going back to psilocybin, yeah. um, what has it done for your mental health? Everything. <laughs> I don't want to say everything because it's not it's not a silver bullet. It's not the answer, the mindset and the work you put in. That is all the answer, but it just makes it so much easier. It shows you that you're able to do that. Um, I had been depressed for I first got diagnosed depression when I was 11 and started microdosing when I was 20, 21. And that was when I really felt because I, I tripped a couple of times for after my first times. And I was like, wow, I've never not felt depressed like this before. This is really cool. And then I will say there was a period of time during quarantine at the beginning where I was just maybe doing them too a little too much. I didn't, you know, I didn't cause any HPPD or anything. I, but I was, um, like maybe every two to three weeks I was tripping and that was just like, mm, that's when I learned more about microdosing. And I was like, okay, that's how you do this. <laughs> Not how I've been doing it. Oh, wow. um, and I just, I used to be, you know, like taking a shower was hard. Like doing the dishes was hard. Now, like, some days it can be hard to get myself to do those things because I'm lazy, but I'm not like glued to my bed anymore. I'm not like missing numerous meals because I haven't been able to even like be here, like dissociation. I haven't felt that true disconnection from my body in so long. It has really just helped me gain an entirely new perspective on life, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I've always, I've never microdosed myself but I like, I didn't know like the long-term effects of microdosing. The fact that it was able to do that for you is like wild, you know? Right. So, so what I, and I was just explaining to my friend, cause it is so hard to put these things into words sometimes, you know? So the more I talk about it, people, the better I come at articulating it. Yeah. Um, but the, the long-term impacts for me have been just that I process my thoughts and emotions as I feel them, as they come to me, you know? I don't carry as much around with me anymore and let the buildup happen. Um, it, it just kind of took a huge weight off of my shoulders because I don't carry weight with me anymore. I process things as I should. Um, I mean, there are some times where I get stubborn with myself and that's mushrooms will also make you mad at yourself if you're not doing the work because they make you fully self-aware. You know exactly how you need to fix every situation. So if you don't do it, you know, you're just being lazy. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I would say that the, the most noticeable thing for me that I was able to articulate in how I felt like my whole perspective on life shift due to psilocybin mushrooms was when I started waking up every day, uh, seeing every day as an opportunity and not a burden, you know, awesome. just like just being awake and, and being grateful to just be even awake, to have the opportunity to live and do all the things that I would do because prior to, it just felt like great. Another day. Right. I'm, I'm it's another day, you know? So mm -hmm. really just that appreciation for life that, that was one of the most noticeable things for me in my, my journey with psilocybin. That's so good to hear. Like, I hope a lot of people can also experience that because a lot of people have been asking me questions about microdosing. And I was like, don't worry. I have an episode coming out. All of <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do it. 
So yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those people who are very, very curious about microdosing, what is your process for it? So there's there's no perfect way to go about it because it is going to be different for everyone. But mm-hmm. like I was saying, for myself, I started with trip doses. I had tripped a decent amount of times before I started microdosing. And though there is no current scientific data to back the claim that I'm about to make. This is fully based off of my personal experience, um, experience from clients of mine and from friends and research through other forums. I have found that if you have taken a trip dose of psilocybin before, even just once, you will have quicker results from microdosing. I believe that that is because those neural pathways that they're starting to rewire in your brain, that the psilocybin works to rewire in your brain, it's already been lit up. You, you've already activated that and started it. So when you microdose and you haven't had that activation at all in your brain before, it's taking small bits and doing it bit by bit. So after maybe the first month, you'll be where you would have been at after like your first week if you had done a trip dose prior to. So I always recommend to my clients, again, I haven't made any videos about this because there's no actual scientific data to back it up, but I always recommend to my clients, if you've never taken them before, do a trip dose first. I recommend for anybody's first time for a trip dose, 1.5 to 2.5. Two is the sweet spot. You're guaranteed a little bit of visuals there, but 1.5 is what has been found to be the official trip dose, like the dose lowest dose dose amount that will give you a full trip experience. Start with that. And then about a month, maybe a month and a half later, start integrating in the lower doses. So a microdose can be anywhere. People say that it can be as low as 0.02. I, people's research is all over the place. I have not found that to be true at all. 0.2 0.2 is my preferred, but the lowest that you can do in a capsule is 0.14. That's fine if people want to start there and see if they need to work their way up. I always like to recommend starting at 0.2 because you can gauge if you need more or less and you're not building a tolerance as quickly. Mm-hmm. After that, it's just a process of taking it. There are different methods. You can take it one day on, two days off. That's what I I typically do when I'm on my typical protocols. Some people do Paul Stamets method, which is 0.1 or 0.14, five days out of the week, and then just taking two days off. I that's for people who like to feel like they're taking. I just hit my mic. I'm sorry. For people who like to to feel like they're taking something like a pill every day. But for the people who like to know that this is something that you don't need every day, um, the one day on, two days off really like shows you how you're not relying on something. Like you're taking something that's then just helping you function better even when you don't take it. It's working towards a goal, not masking something that you're dealing with. I love that. Yes, you said that perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So do you take them in, in the morning? Um, and like, how does it make you feel? So I, when I do take them in my typical day to day, I will like to do it in the morning, but 
I did learn after about a year that a couple of my friends who dealt with insomnia, which is something that I used to deal with and I guess still do, um, they'll microdose before going to sleep because if you set like if you if you are fall if you're asleep within the hour before it hits you, so you take it and you fall asleep within that hour, it'll just help you like go into like a REM cycle and your focus your brain's fully focused on sleeping properly. So it really does do like the trick of same thing we do with setting intentions with tripping, where if you're going to take it at the beginning of the day and you're going to say, this is going to help me get through the day. These are the things that I want to do today. Your brain's going to take you there. You're setting the path for what you want to do with it. It's just there to help you make it easier. Wow. That's a, that's cool. I, one time I took them kind of late at night and I could not sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like, if you do not fall asleep, then it will keep you up. So. No, exactly. And it will, because your brain will just be a little more stimulated than it yeah. was. But if you're like about, if you're in sleepy mode and you get yourself into bed, then it can help. But typically when I am not trying to use it to help me sleep, I won't take it later than say four in the afternoon so that I can be like fully just non-stimulated by around like 10 o'clock. Right. So do you take the pills or do you actually like eat the mushrooms? So I, I started out by just eating the mushrooms straight up. I get gel capsules now because um, I make supplements and that's just sometimes easier, especially because um, after a certain amount of time, my body became way too connected to my mind where when I would go to put the raw mushroom in my mouth, my body was already aware that I was trying to put like a poison in it. So it would start like, like, yeah, <laughs> so, like rejecting gag. it, get, making me gag before I even had it in my mouth. Um, because that's uh -huh. why you get nauseous with them when you take them is because it yes. is a poison, you know, your body's trying to reject it. Yes. But uh -huh. when I put it in the capsules, it's just like, oh, here's a pill, another supplement, you know, and I kind of trick my brain that way. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I noticed like, you do feel pretty nauseous when it's like coming up and mm -hmm. like your, my palms get sweaty and yep. <laughs> yeah, you feel kind of sick. But even in my first experience, I knew that was what I had to go through before. Like it got better. So I yeah. didn't like freak out or anything. I was like, I'm fine. I'm just going to lay here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, and then the euphoria hit me like a mm -hmm. bus. I was like, Oh my God, I was <laughs> smiling so hard for no reason. I was like, this is what it's about, okay? Yep, exactly. I was like, if I feel this much euphoria from this, I can't imagine what people who, like, have been waiting to feel this much, you know, happiness for depression or anxiety or anything like that. Like, it would be incredible. Um, but does do microdosing, like, do you feel nauseous then too? No, because it's such a low dose that, I mean – it really can be different for everyone. And like, if you didn't eat that day or like you're already kind of feeling malnourished, it's going to still kind of have that action of dehydrating you and things like that. So you can feel some of those same effects, but the nausea really hasn't really been there for me, at least personally. And anytime I have felt a little off, I just smoke some weed and it makes yeah. it all good. Um, and that also elongates my microdoses too. Like I'll smoke throughout the days when I'm microdosing, maybe like once or twice just to keep it going. Mm -hmm. Do you eat it does before? That. Or so... 
I, people say both. People say you should eat before. People say you should wait and eat after. I am just terrible at eating on like a normal schedule anyways. I don't <laughs> want to say I'm terrible at eating because like I do <laughs> eat, but <laughs> I, I have a bad schedule with it. So I will tend to take it before I eat. Um, but it doesn't really deplete my appetite the way that tripping does, like the way that you just don't at all think about food when you're tripping, you, you're still able to eat when you microdose. So, um, I was going to ask, do you have a specific strain that you like to microdose with or does it not matter? Yeah. So for microdosing, it is recommended and it works the best if you use golden teachers or an isolation of that. So I like albino golden teachers and just basic golden teachers. They're also the easiest to find. So it makes it even better. Um, But those are like the recommended strain for microdosing because the other strains are more so of things, excuse me, like isolated from penis envy strains which are more potent and when you have that higher potency you are going to get psychoactive effects when you're trying to microdose because even though you're doing it at the same like dosage size the potency is a completely different level yeah i can (laughs) yeah you want to make sure you're getting the right right strain there um and do you know like different strains and like the different effects each one gives i do so um, pretty much everything is a, an isolation or like cousin of either the golden teacher or the penis envy mushroom. Um, and golden teachers will provide you with a much more um, educational trip per se. You're going to be much like very much more in touch with yourself and the things that you need to work on. They do teach you. That's why they're called what they're (laughs) called. Um, And they provide less of a um, visual trip, but very, very euphoric. Whereas penis envies are a slap in the face. They're so intense. Um, They give you way more visual effects. They do give you more philosophical ideation, but less of that like, internal work that you do with like a golden teacher strain um those hit you a lot faster and are over a lot quicker whereas with golden teachers it more or an isolation of that it comes in waves more so whereas with penis envies you're gonna get like really intense like two to three first hours and then be kind of coming coming down for the last two but not in a bad way just a holy shit what what did I just see type of way (laughs) so what do you think are so for the people that are like kind of worried about trying them um what do you think are the possible side effects of mushroom and for like long-term use too so there are few uh, just there are really few negative side effects but there are always some people like to call bad trips a side effect but again like no a bad trip is likely your fault you either put yourself in the wrong situation took the wrong amount or didn't do your proper research before even taking psychedelics too young like I don't think anybody should do mushrooms before the age of 18 some people say 16 I think you should wait until your brain's been a little bit more developed than that. Um, 
And if that's when, you know, we can start smoking weed, there's no reason that can't be when you can start taking psychedelics. Right. Um, but uh, hallucinogen persisting perception disorder, that is what is known more commonly as trip flashbacks, which are also very commonly confused uh people there are people who think trip flashbacks happen by acid being stored in your spinal cord and when you crack your back you trip of course you've heard that before <laughs> my brother would say that to me yo wait wait, wait. <laughs> please <laughs> dive deeper into this i need this <laughs> of course that's it's a common misconception. I, it's just one of those things that's just been in the world of psychedelics. It's just like how people thought that you are supposed to take an eighth for the first time. There are just things that people hear once and they believe forever. They see it in a couple of forums and they're uh-huh. like, yep, that's, that's, that's fact. true. And then it spreads to everyone. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm sure there are people who have experienced HPPD and were like, oh, this happened after I cracked my back. And that can you can experience the side effects after cracking your back because it's it's not that there's anything stored in your brain it's that you're triggering those uh like neural pathways that create those reactions so if you potentially take too much it's usually happens with people who have uh long-term use of lsc it's less common with people who take mushrooms but it's also something that most people report only lasts for about a year. Um, but there's no known cause, no known, like there are people who have done it mushrooms for the first time ever and got HPPD. It's just a matter of like your brain kind of still reacting in the same way that it did when it was under the influence of that substance where you are going to be seeing tracers. Sometimes lights can be more vibrant. Um, you, you know, crack your back and all of a sudden you're kind of seeing flurries. It's not because it's stored in your spinal cord. It's just because that happens to people sometimes, you know, we wish, we wish there was a more like interesting answer. I'm sure in the next few years, there'll be more research done on it, but because they're not really conducting trials where they're doing higher doses with people, I don't think we're going to see much research into HPPD until psychedelic medicine has really taken a larger role in the medical community. Um, Aside from that, there is the possibility of exacerbation of a psychotic disorder. So if you're direct, if if your mother or father or like older sibling, only someone in your direct bloodline has say schizophrenia, uh, manic of any sorts, there can be the potential of that being exacerbated. It can be laying dormant, but that also happens with like SSRIs. Like I have multiple friends who got put on Prozac and that triggered manic bipolar. It's that same interaction. Wow. Um, Wait, the actual medicine triggered another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so with this, with the, that potential, that again would just be someone not doing their due diligence before trying psychedelics. Because if you talk with your psychiatrist, you say, what am I potentially at risk of? If they tell you that there are no psychotic disorders, you're good. Other than that, there's psychological withdrawal, which is after, that's not after microdosing. Microdosing, there are really like no risks. Like the risks I just said, HPPD and potential exacerbation. HPPD 
pretty much I want to say that's impossible with microdosing. It's way too low. There's no psychoactive effects. That's not going to happen. Exacerbation of a psychotic disorder. If you do your research, you're fine. Psychological withdrawal is just when you have an intense psychedelic experience and you have a hard time reintegrating it back into real life. Like you're still like kind of tripped up over what you experience and are having a hard time coming back to this current life right now. But like what you had said, and this is something that I've experienced before, you had said earlier where you just kind of realize that like nothing matters. Um, I was able to word it to my friend the other night, just in a way I hadn't before, where it was like, yeah, you are in this state where nothing matters. But then as you start coming down, you come back into the version of reality where people are trying to convince you that everything matters. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, you know, I need all of y'all to just take some right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, exactly. And that's how you feel. And that's, especially yeah. when I'm on LSD, I feel that where I'm like, wait, no, no, no. But if we all could just be on this at the same time, like it would, we'd understand would each other. Exactly. We'd be speaking the exact same language. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so that, that is a risk of taking mushrooms is just like having that difficult time, like adjusting back to this shit reality that we're currently living in. But again, yeah. that's not the fault of the mushroom. <laughs> yeah, it's not their fault. They take us to a great place. In our no. <laughs> uh, so how long do you think it will take for mushrooms to be decriminalized in the U.S., let's say? So, so out West, I think we're going to see a decriminalization like very quickly because uh, many counties in California have already had them decriminalized for a couple of years now. Same with Oregon and Washington. And Oregon's going to start medical legalization next year. And Washington actually just proposed a bill in the last year to uh, open up dispensaries. I don't know that that will be possible. I attended uh, something called Psychedelic Capital under the company Microdose the other day, uh, just talking about the projected potentials of the psychedelic industry in the next year. It's not really projected that we're going to see legalization on like a dispensary level federally or even just like in enough states that it feels federally like weed right now um where that that won't be until about like 2030 we still have a lot more time to go because the states that have decriminalized already haven't even really moved forward with like moving them from being a schedule one you know like yeah. it's it's still, I mean, still there so exactly <laughs> and they're selling exactly. it everywhere a lot of places so exactly. If we uh, we have a better chance of seeing this, um, if we're able to just abolish our federal government in the next 10 years. <laughs> oh, the amount of if, work if we have to do. Like, there's a lot. There's a yeah. lot. And, and that's that's something that the mushrooms help with, too, with feeling like there actually is hope here. You yeah. know, that we're, we're not just working towards like the goal of working every day until you die. We're actually working towards building a better life here and for, for everyone. Um, and they definitely helped make that like possible for, for myself and many other people I know. Yeah, like that's literally all I'm trying to do. And <laughs> like, I just want to make this world a better place. And by having access to this kind of medicine, like, you have no idea how many people's lives could be changed because I've seen like, and I've heard so many stories of actual, you know, people being prescribed medication and just ruining their life. Like, um, 
this company, King Harvest Wellness, um, mm -hmm. they're an amazing uh, CBD company and THC company. And the owner actually was given um, medication for something and he ended up getting seizures from it. And he would like crash his car, like his head, oh. like he would crack his head open. Like he thought his life was over. And then one day he tried cannabis infused olive oil and it completely stopped his seizures. And after that, he has not touched a single pharmaceutical. And like yeah. his, now, now they have this amazing huge company. They make extremely high quality oils. Um, and if you read the reviews, your jaws will drop. Like the testimonials, like people are like, yeah, save me from cancer, this saved my life. All this yeah. stuff. I'm like, it's the power, you know, these plants have is ridiculous. And like, right. My, my mom deals with a, a form of uh, osteoarthritis. It's like a very, very severe form of arthritis and a THC lotion. Like it, it's, it's THC, like it's yeah. from Canada. Uh, that's like the only thing that helps her. You know, like, like these things are, not only are they extremely accessible because of how natural they are, but they're the answers to so many things. And, and, and that's really like, what's so frustrating about it? Because for me, it wasn't hard for me to deny antidepressant medications when they were like, here's something that's supposed to help you, but uh, it can also make you more suicidal and more depressed and also have no sex drive and you'll just be a robot. And also, yeah. hey, by the way, your your best friend uh, just got triggered another mental disorder from taking these medications, you know? Like, the it it's just terrible. And then I had classmates... Uh, who were prescribed opioids for breaking a, a bone when they were 10 years old. And by age 13, they were addicted to opioids yeah, it's from not a that, very young like, age. You, you see, and, that, and that's not because of the streets. That's not because somebody was pushing that on them. They were prescribed that medication. Yeah. And, and they, they we have so many things. Us. They yeah, get exactly. spreading education on something that's not they say like, they say weed is the gateway drug to like, all no. of these dangerous <laughs> things. <laughs> No, the meds you're giving to these 10 year olds are the gateways like Ex exactly exactly so it's especially in the last year i've been learning uh that weed and mushrooms the way that they can treat chronic pain illnesses like we can be replacing opioid-based medications like this is the future of medicine but the issue is how accessible it is Weed might be a little bit harder to grow, but they're trying to make regulations on it. You know, they're busting huge black market farms all over America every single day because they want to only be producing these genetically modified forms of cannabis so that they can patent them. And that way, access is able to be regulated and they're able to make it inaccessible to people. Whereas with mushrooms, it is too easy to grow them. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's truly too easy. And so if people are aware of how easy it is and how cheap it is, that's not going to bring in any money for the pharmaceutical industries anymore. And so people are already looking and trying to see how they can capitalize on this as quickly as they can before people learn to just start doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was, this is what really shocked me. I was like, yeah, like, you know, psilocybin is illegal and stuff, but when I was looking up, there were sites that are like showing people how to grow it. And like, they were like even selling it. And I'm like, is this real? Like, why do you know why they're like, it's all over the internet? 
Canada. Canada has had it legal for, or at least decriminalized for a pretty long time now. Um, so, you know, you see websites that are like, here's all these mushrooms, but you're purchasing for the sale of a sticker, you know? So like mm. they're able to work their way around it because it's already decriminalized. So they know that there's not really many repercussions. It's the same thing that I just learned about when I was living in California, there are dispensaries there that aren't legal dispensaries by any means. It's like your local plug opening up a dispo with all of their homegrown shit. And, you know, you're getting top shelf weed for the cheapest prices. It's amazing. Yeah. And how they get around doing that is because they can still like sell and distribute because of the fact that it is legal. The only thing that they get hit with is uh, like a fine for like an, an illegal grow or something, which is like an $1,000 fine a year. So you just pay that off and you're able to just, you know, keep doing what you do. Exactly. <laughs> wow. I had no idea. That yeah. makes sense now. I was like, what I'm literally the next interview I'm doing today is um with Dave Hodges, the uh founder of the Church of Ambrosia. It's like the Church of Entheogenic yeah. Plants. Um, and they sell like uh, cannabis and mushrooms, and they just they got raided last year. Um, and no one got arrested. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. how? And Oh, that's awesome that you're talking to him yeah, that's so I cool I need okay. to get in touch with them yes that is definitely definitely gonna be a great conversation oh I can't yeah wait to hear that I can't wait for it so what are your future goals with your passion so right now I am really I, I'm just fully focused on educating like helping educate people on the fact that like these medicines are available they are affordable before people make them <laughs> unable yeah. to be, um, how to properly use them. Um, and just the fact that people have the potential to rewire their brains in general, making people aware of these things, but also working towards destigmatization um, of all drugs because we've really stigmatized drug use in like a really fucked up way to where it's dehumanized people mm-hmm. who, who use drugs. Um, so I try to work towards rehumanization of uh drug drug users in general um safe and proper use advocating for you know the use of tester kits and narcan um but i really want to i'm working towards um going out to oregon and when they start their legalization process next year getting my licensing for psilocybin therapy um, because nice. you can also apply, right. You can also get your license for growing, um, which probably won't be like the first, like two years because you need to be a resident for two years. And in the first year, there's only going to be a limited amount of like growing and facilitator licenses. So I'm trying to get in with some advocacy groups there so that I can be a therapist, but then also at some point can start providing my clients with their medicine as well. Um, so that, you know, it's just a one-stop shop for everything and just at like the most affordable prices. Um, and just really my, my overall goal is just to make this accessible to people and to help people heal themselves and know that they have the power to heal themselves. That's awesome. Thank you for what you do. Like, Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. We're going to make some change. We're going to do it. I I think so. Yeah. (laughs) So what is your best advice for someone who wants to try it for the first time? So for a first time, 
you can't be nervous, you know, like, I mean, you can be nervous. You can have like jitters around it, but don't be scared. Being scared is like the, just dooming yourself because there's really nothing to be afraid of there. I was so drawn to mushrooms because I knew that there was so much uh, potential benefits and so little risks like you, you're not going to die. <laughs> There's literally a 0% chance that you die. Um, you're really not, people think that mushrooms are a lot more visual than they actually are. You're not going to see a whole lot of crazy things. You're not really going to see things that aren't there. I don't recommend tripping at night. Even after your first trip, I, I'm not a fan of night trips. You know, I mean, I tripped at night uh, in Joshua Tree because that was just a, an amazing place to do that because the stars are just insane. But my first trip was like sundown into nighttime and I did not fuck with that. The nighttime just provides too much for the, for the mind to make up for. There's too much darkness for the mind to make up for. And, and it's dark. It is just that it's dark. Um, so dose size, I recommend 1.5 to 2.5. Know the strain that you're taking, not even just for your first time, but all of the time know the strain that you're taking. Whoever you're getting it from likely knows what strain it is. If they don't tell you, just ask. Mm -hmm. Golden teachers for your first time. That's the most docile mushroom that there is really. That's what I recommend. 1.5 to 2, 2.5. If you're feeling lucky or, you know, having a good time <laughs> and you can always take more, but you can never take less. Just keeping that in mind. Yep. Staying hydrated. It's so easy to forget to drink water because you feel so like whole, like everything feels so great. That you're like, I don't need anything, but you need water. You 100% yeah. need water. So <laughs> staying hydrated. Some people tell you not to look in the mirror. Uh, I say, screw them. Uh, look in the mirror. See, like if it freaks you out, it freaks you out, but at least look at it. Like yeah. my first time I saw half of my face just start like dripping down. And I was like, that's a little freaky. So I'm going to look away, but like, I'm glad I saw that, you know, <laughs> like, yo, that's really funny because the first time I did them, like I reminded myself not to look in the mirror because I just knew it would freak me out. <laughs> me too. And I was, I was at a, on a camping trip. So I was in the woods and I was washing my, I came out the bathroom, I was washing my hands and you know, reflex, you, you go to look in the mirror every time you're in the bathroom. Yeah. I go to look up and I swear a wave of energy literally slapped me across the face <laughs> And I looked and I like looked away and I was like, how did the shrooms just slapped me? Like, what? I was like, how the heck? I was in such shock. I was like, what just happened? They, so, they really do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't remember, look. I remember crawling time. on the ground to avoid the mirror <laughs> <laughs> to get to the toilet. Like when I have to pee. You don't need to do that. You know, like yeah. I've been there. You don't need to do that. Yeah. Last time I did them, I looked in the mirror. because so I was like, I'm not scared of you. Like, <laughs> so I, was like exactly. I was like, if you if you do something in my face, you do it. But if you know, like you're literally under the influence, like it's fake. So yeah. I mean, I was like, it, <laughs> it, when I looked in the mirror and I like told the mushrooms, I'm not scared of them. They didn't do anything to my face. They literally nothing happened. I was like, oh, okay. Genius. <laughs> genius <laughs> you gotta be the stronger person okay exactly exactly <laughs> yeah that, I really think that's, that's, <laughs> that's the best advice that that you could give like yeah. for anyone's first trip I think that that really does sum it all up yes. um, <laughs> awesome. it's really a simple process just don't be afraid mm -hmm.
Yeah, this was an amazing talk. Thank you no, so much. Dude, thank you. And again, like I have my podcast too. I am getting more active on it again. I took a break from it, but we're coming back. So I would love to have you on sometime. Oh yeah. I can ask you the questions. We can have a little can of talk. Yeah. And I appreciate you so much for having me on. And thank you thank so you. much. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one talk at a time.